Hey friend, are you swamped with scheduling, bogged down by bookings, or overwhelmed with managing your social media? This message is for you. I would love to introduce you to my secret weapon, StyleSmart VA. This is a company of virtual assistants literally designed by hairstylists for hairstylists. I found them through an interview right here on the podcast, and then shortly after found myself booking a discovery call because I was drowning in administrative tasks and needed help. It's been a few months now, and I can't tell you how much my VA has changed my life. No joke, friends. I am such a believer in StyleSmart VA that I decided to bring them in as an episode sponsor here on the show. Listen, as creatives, our focus should be on the clients and our craft. And now that I have my virtual assistant, I can devote more of my time to exactly that. The beauty of hiring a VA through StyleSmart is that they come to you already trained and able to seamlessly step into your business. From managing appointments and client communications to handling your social media presence, StyleSmart virtual assistants free you up to concentrate on your clients. And that's a change your clients will notice and appreciate. I mean, can we say elevating your perceived value? So when you're ready to level up in your business and take some weight off your shoulders, head on over to StyleSmartVA.com and book a free discovery call today. You'll also find the link in the show notes of this podcast episode. StyleSmart VA, empowering beauty professionals to focus on what they do best. Welcome back to the Your Hair Mentor podcast, where I'm your host and your hair mentor, Crystal Green. How is it going, everyone? In this week's episode, we're getting down and dirty. We are covering vulnerability and vulnerability in social media, vulnerability in our lives, vulnerability in the salon, you name it, we got it. And I have an awesome guest here to share this concept and topic with me today. I've got Samantha from Samantha's Beauty Confessions. Now she has made quite the name for herself in social media. Um, She's built a great following and now she teaches social media to other hairstylists and really kind of how to find success there. And, uh, you know, I just really enjoy Samantha. She is so kind and just really genuine. And I dare say the word authentic. I feel like that word is so played out and overused these days, but like, this is a great place to use it. Samantha is extremely authentic and um, she gets really vulnerable with us in this episode. And, you know, I kind of open up a little bit too, and I really just appreciate the um, safe space with her to do that. And so I could babble on forever about how much I enjoyed the conversation, but why don't I just let you go enjoy it? Okay. So, um, Samantha, I would love for you to give me a little brief introduction of like where you are and who you are, because I I hear a little bit of an accent in your voice that I didn't know was there, actually. Yes, I'm from Oklahoma, and I am in a tiny town, like 4,000 people, and I've been doing hair now for like almost a decade, which sounds crazy because I feel like it's flown by. Um, but I actually, I kind of went about it in a backwards way is what I always tell people. I grew up with both of my parents working in the industry 
And I wanted to kind of rebel and do something different. So I went to college, did that whole thing, and then ended up just circling back and going to cosmetology school. So here I am. Yeah. What did you study in college? I studied um, communications and I minored in marketing. And so it's kind of, it kind of goes hand in hand, you know, with the, the social media world that we live in now. And honestly, like, yes, I could have started doing hair sooner and, you know, made more money that way. But I feel like I needed to be a hairstylist in the social media world. Like if I would have got in immediately after high school, I don't know if I would have been as um, successful in my Instagram journey later, just because it's hard to add new things in, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Once you're working behind the chair, like it's so hard to do anything else, but serve your clients and work your Mm -hmm. business. Yeah. And I feel like I always like joke and say, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. And that is how I am as a person. Like if I get in a routine of something, I'm really good at sticking to that routine but you throw me new, new info and new um, tasks. I can't hardly handle it. <laughs> so well, you seem I, I to be did it at the right it. time. Yeah. Yeah. You seem to be doing it just fine uh, according to social media. So, oh, well, thank you. It's yeah. a lot for sure. I mean, it's a full-time job in itself. Yeah, um, it absolutely is like filming and I don't have an assistant. So I don't know. Do you still work behind the chair? No, I actually stopped in April. Um, I still see people for like modeling stuff because I'm putting together mm-hmm. like some educational pieces. But even then, like I don't have an extra set of hands. And so I don't know if you can see behind me. Oh, you can barely see it. I have like this little gooseneck thing that I actually learned from you okay. in um, Carly's education. I'm pretty sure it was you that was using this little gooseneck phone holder yep. thing because I'm like, what am I going to do? I need to like strap this thing on my forehead in order to get the shots that I need. Seriously, I I love that tripod. So I have someone that works with me. Um, I still do behind the chair work like one to two days a week, but I try to pack people in. Um, And so I hired somebody to help me just like blow dry and shampoo. Um, But I I can't have her really film for me because she's trying to blow dry. So yeah, that, that gooseneck tripod has been a game changer and it gets all the angles. Don't you feel like? Oh, absolutely. And I'm really tall. Um, I don't know how tall you are, but I'm five foot 11. And so like so many of the tripods don't go tall enough to come from behind me. And that sucker will come from behind my shoulder up and over. And I love it. Okay. That's good to know. Cause I'm only like five, five. So I always tell people that's why I like it. Cause it can go behind me, but it's good to know that it gets even taller for people mm-hmm. that are taller. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It's great. Okay. So, um, so you started beauty school. I want you to like walk me through this, this journey of yours, because for those that don't know, you've been like wildly successful in your social media presence. And I, I think, do you have a business with your social media stuff now too? Like you're teaching social media or not quite yet? Um, I teach classes, but not, I don't have like a subscription or anything, but I do go and teach classes at salons and things, um, on social media. Okay. So I started that journey, um, this year, actually kind of end of last year. Um, I kind of veered away from like color education and more into social media, just because I know how much it's changed my career, you know, especially being from a small town, I never... I never would have gotten the opportunities that I've gotten and and had the success I've had if it wasn't for the apps. So I always joke and tell people that um, Instagram kind of saved my life. <laughs> That's sweet. You know, yeah. I mean, I get it, though, too. I have like such a, a love hate relationship with social media because um, her, I've heard you 
say this and I've heard other people say this, it's like not your own property, right? Like it's mm-hmm. rented land. And mm-hmm. so it's like kind of dodgy to put all your your um, focus and your eggs in that basket. But at the mm-hmm. same time, it's such a beautiful tool for us to use. Yeah. And I think the boundaries, um, I know that when you're scrolling through, it can seem like the comparison, you know, and I'm sure you can relate everyone listening to like, you think that you're not doing enough or you're not doing it quick enough. And I feel like that's kind of the the goal in my classes is just to show people that like everybody's journey is going to be slightly different and that's okay. If we were all on the same journey, then it would just be like a bunch of robots walking around trying to do the same exact thing. We want to have a little different, you know, differences between us because that's what makes us unique, you know? Mm-hmm. So okay. just kind of staying in your own lane and patient. Totally, totally. And like, yeah, enjoying the journey and Mm -hmm. understanding that it's all just part of like this, the grand scheme of things. Yep. Okay. So you started working behind the chair Mm -hmm. post-college. How soon when you started working behind the chair, did you start like growing a social media following? So I, I always like to add this because I grew my social media kind of quickly. However, I did it in a way that I don't recommend to anybody. Um, at the time that I started my social media, I was in a unhealthy marriage and instead of going to therapy and doing it the healthy way, I took all my stress, anxiety, you know, fear, all the things with my marriage, I took it into social media. And so for that reason, I was on the app, like all the time. I mean, if I wasn't working behind the chair, I was posting pictures or engaging or creating stories Um, And so I was able to grow my following, like, I don't know, six months. I feel like I hit like 10,000 and then it was just off from there, which I know is not normal. So I just like to preface by saying that I was on there all the time and nobody needs to do that. Right, right. When you first started posting, were you doing the same kind of posts that you're doing now? Because now I feel like your posts are like, they're educational. You're like showing what you're doing with your own hair. Um, Mm -hmm. It's not too much like, hey, let me teach you how to do hair on a client, right? Would Mm -hmm. would you Mm -hmm. agree? Okay. Did you start it that way or was it more like posting pictures of clients and that kind of stuff? Yeah. So it was posting pictures of clients in the beginning. Um, And the reason that I never posted my face before is because I have had like this like imposter syndrome or like confidence issue in fear of judgment or criticism, which I think is also something that not a lot of people talk about. And I know it's common because when I teach at my classes, the, um, the response I get is everyone feels the same way. Um, it's scary to put yourself out there if, especially your face, you know, it's scary to put your work too, but when it's your face, it's this whole other layer. So I finally, like probably three years into to posting consistently, I finally posted my very first video that had my face in it. And the reason I did this was to kind of heal and kind of put my divorce behind me and kind of my past traumas behind me. So I released like a story video. And when I did that, the response I got showed me that like, that's what people really wanted to see, you know? Mm -hmm. And so now I just try to incorporate a lot of that through my page. That's awesome. Yeah. It's like, once you realize who you're serving and what they need from you, I think it flows a lot more naturally. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, the thing I was most scared of is what people were wanting on my page. And again, you know, everyone's page is a little different. So that's where like insights and stuff come in handy. Um, but if you have a video that just really takes off or a photo, I always say like create 10 more, just like it and see what happens because there's a reason it did good, you know? And if it just, you know, there is those ones that just end up being lucky, but chances are that's something that your audience likes. And so you want to keep giving them more. Yeah. And so now where do you see this going for you? You mentioned a second ago, like you don't have a membership or anything like that. Um, do you see yourself kind of leaning into the, the social media education a little bit more and turning that into an income maker for you? Yeah. So I do the classes and I have some, um, classes available on my website, like online ones that are pre-recorded. If you, you know, if you don't live somewhere where I can, um, come and, and teach in your area, but I'm starting a podcast and I feel like kind of my passion is in the, the vulnerability side of it and just showing people that although somebody does have a large following online and can come across as, you know, quote unquote, perfect. I feel like people get that idea um, that they have struggles too. And I think that it's okay to admit that and to show that side of things too, because somebody sitting at home right now, like I know when I was going through that with my ex-husband, that I would have loved to just see anybody admitting that they were having problems and you don't have to make your, your problems, your identity by any means, right. but just sharing like a happy ending that came from struggles. Um, and that's where, you know, in the future, I want my podcast to go and just help me build this community, almost like coaching, I guess, community. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I can always coach people on hair color techniques, but social media and mental health is, is my passion for sure. It's funny. I feel like I seem to be attracting more and more people that are leaning into that uh, side of things. And I don't Mm -hmm. know if that's just where the industry is going right now, or if it's just like, you know, you kind of go through like ebbs and flows of people Mm -hmm. that you meet in your life. And it seems like literally everyone that I've been talking to lately is like mental health of the hairdresser, you know, health and well-being of the hairdresser. Like, let's take care of ourselves and make sure that we can do this and love it throughout our career. Yeah, because I think like, so my mom did hair for, I don't know, I always messed this up, like 20 years or something. She now has a cosmetology school, so she doesn't do hair anymore. But especially back when she was working behind the chair, you left your problems at the door, you know? And I think that honestly, like the pandemic and everything is kind of what woke people up to, you know, we can't leave these problems at the door because they're they're becoming so like apparent that we have to talk about it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um And I think that that's the positive thing that came from all of that was just the openness that it's created. Um, Because you're right, everyone now is is voicing a little bit more of the struggles, whether it be comparison or just like, I don't know how to do this technique or whatever. Yeah, it turns out I'm not perfect. Weird. (laughs) Yeah, weird that we're not robots, which I feel like it's so crazy now to think back to, to before all of this happened with me, like... I know for a fact that I used to think the same thing about people, but now that I'll hear it shows that people are saying it about me, I'm like, oh, no, 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 we got to put a stop to this because I'm far from perfect. And that honestly, you just kind of made me think of that. But that honestly is kind of what sparked my passion for the mental health because, you know, people were coming up to me and saying like, how do I get to where you are? And it's like, no, trust me, you don't want to, you don't want to have to go through all that, you know, Yeah. Um, you don't want to do anything the way I did it. Trust me. 
Mm-hmm. I think that's good. yeah, and like I think that's the piece of the the mental health thing with hairdressers is like we are burnt out. We've been doing mm-hmm. this forever. Like, please let me show you a way to not get to this point. Let's do it in mm-hmm. a way that's like healthy, that serves you while you still serve your people, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And is that kind of why you are, are shifting to, to mm-hmm. more? Okay. Yeah. Because we have like 10 jobs, right? Like we used to, you just came in, you did your clients, you sold some products, you moved on to the next client. Now it's like, the editing, the videography, photos, and then we're just constantly comparing through TikTok, YouTube, mm-hmm. all of the apps, and they keep adding more. I know. It's like, how can we keep up? You just yeah. keep throwing more at us. Well, hopefully they won't all last, right? Because we just can't keep up with all of them. No way. Unless we, I guess, hired a full team, but that's the other thing. Do you have anybody that helps you right now? Kind of. I have some like very generous friends that have experience in other parts of the world that I do not like marketing and networking and those kind of things, uh-huh. um, but very little. Like it is 99% me. Yeah. And I think too, if you don't hire that um, like right off the bat, you know, then it's hard to let go of control. Right. And I think that with social media, um, I was listening to Carly's episode on your podcast and she said, you know, she always wants to be the one responding to messages and posting her content because that's her page. And I 100% agree. Um, so I've, I've recently tried to hire out maybe like, you know, podcast editing and a virtual assistant for like email marketing and things like that, mm-hmm. that I'm wanting to add into my business but I don't have yet. So it's easier to let go of that control. Yes. Yes. It's funny. Um, so with hair, I worked mm-hmm. with plenty of assistants in my career, but I, mm-hmm. I got to a point where I was like, I need help. Right. So I'm going to trust this person that I'm kind of overseeing. So I was still kind of micromanaging them a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it was like a learning curve. And then I got used to having them. Like, I know they can do these tasks and these jobs and I'm okay with it. I'm comfortable with it. The online business is still like a baby business to me. And so I've had to kind of reframe my mind and be like, okay, I need to emulate that same feeling of like, it's okay to let go. It's Mm -hmm. okay to trust, even though it's not running like a well-oiled machine yet, it's okay. So Mm -hmm. I've actually, I've, I've looked into getting some virtual assistants. I know for me, I had a hard time thinking like, okay, what are they going to do exactly? What part of the business doesn't need my exact voice? in it. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. It's like the email responses. And, um, I still do my own podcast editing, but I kind of like it. Like to me, that's almost like an artistic piece of it. Um, mm-hmm. but not everyone does that. I know most people want to have someone else take care of that for them. And I don't know if that's because like with my conversations, I don't edit out anything. Like no one said anything super weird or like uncomfy or anything like that, that I felt like I needed to like, you know? Um, mm-hmm. so I just leave the conversation natural. And then I just work on the intros and the outros and all the cool little bells and whistles on my own. Uh, but I can see how some people wouldn't want to do that. So, yeah. See for me, I, I hired a, um, the podcast editor that I hired. So I did it like monthly, you know, so she's going to help me with my launch. And then I think I had to like commit to a month after the launch just for management. Um, but she was totally fine with me saying, I don't really know what I'll need. So we can kind of customize that package as we go. Um, but for me, like just the unknown of the podcasting, I feel better like with launching and all of the, 
um, emailing and the clips and all that getting done by someone else as I kind of catch my footing. But I'm like you, I don't expect to take out a ton of the conversation. Um, mine's more so like my solo episodes that I'll be releasing. I, I will sit there and critique every single word that comes out of my mouth Uh and I can preach it all the time to people not to do that. And I know, like, I literally know in my soul (laughs) that it doesn't matter, but I can't stop. I'm like crazy psycho with it. Um, and so I'm glad to know that you're saying you agree with that. Oh, totally. And like when I started doing this, it was all solo episodes and I just didn't have the time to sit and pick apart each episode to try to edit out things. So I just didn't. So if I like Mm -hmm. stumbled on my words, I'd be like, okay, let's try again. And I had people emailing me and messaging me saying, I love that you leave that in. Like, I love that part because it makes me feel like I'm just having a conversation with you Mm -hmm. and it's natural. And so I was like, oh, okay, I guess I'll roll with it. I was like, I just don't have time to be. Well, and and right. And when you're having the conversation back and forth though, like, yes, you may say something where you like stumble over your words or whatever, but it's a conversation. So it doesn't feel as, as vulnerable to me Mm -hmm. if I fumble over words then when there's another face on the screen, but it's weird talking to yourself. If nobody, if anyone listening has never done it, it's a whole different world that I'd never been to until Mm -hmm. I started this stuff. And now I'm like, whoa, I really did just talk for 20 minutes to myself with no responses. Totally. I felt it more strange because I first made courses that Mm -hmm. I was launching to the general public about like how to style, manage, and maintain your hair at home. And when I was making those, oh my God, like talking to the camera by myself, like I'd be like, okay, I have this whole like skit, you know, um, Mm -hmm. lined out and I'm going to do this thing. And at first I would have, it was my phone that I used to film everything. I would have it in selfie mode so that I could like see that I'm in the frame. So I'm like Mm -hmm. watching myself on camera, trying to talk. I was like Anchorman, you know, when he's like, I don't know what to do with my hands. I was like, I'm so weird right now. No, so coming it, from I that, totally get it. I feel like yeah. the podcast was easier because I'm like making all these weird hand gestures when I'm talking and I'm not worrying about the faces that I'm making or what I'm doing. It was to me a more natural progression. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I do not want to make more videos. That is uncomfortable. No, videos are so uncomfortable. And I, I always tell people this because you know, like I think sometimes from the outside looking in, people think that content, everyone thinks their job's the hardest, right? So people think that creating content is not hard. Like, oh, you just, I've heard so many people, oh, you just have to wake up and film videos all day. But it's like, no, it is. It's so tiring in my opinion, because of what you just said, you're having to think of your hands, your face, your, your, um, twitches that your eye does or whatever. I've noticed that my eye twitches when I'm doing videos. Would I ever have known that? before? No. But when you're editing your face all the time, you start critiquing yourself even more. Um, and so that does take a toll on your, your mental health and it is mentally exhausting. Mm -hmm. It's not physically exhausting, but it is mentally. Absolutely. Yeah. Maybe there'll be a wave of people that are talking about the mental health of podcasters next, or maybe we should start that movement. Maybe, (laughs) maybe. But so with podcasting though, when you do your own, do you record, you don't record your face in there or you do? I have not, no. Okay. Um, And, you know, and even with these videos, I have not stepped into video podcasting. Like, I know Uh people put them on um, YouTube and stuff like that. I just haven't because it's just an extra step. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I've got my platform and I've got a system and a rhythm and I know exactly what to do and how to do it. And I just use the video clips for, like, promoting. But Mm -hmm. really, I should 
um, do that. And then that would mean I'd have to do an intro and an outro where I'm filming myself, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then it goes back into that whole editing yourself thing. Exactly. But see, we're all just, we're all just out there, you know, critiquing ourselves. Yep. Every single person's doing it. And we all need to just be a little easier on ourselves. I don't know how to get there. Mm -hmm. I'm still working on it. But mm -hmm. as soon as I find out, I will let everybody know. Right, right. <laughs> I promise. Yeah. Well, I kind of had like an aha moment myself with um, like what I'm trying to do with my online world here. Like what's my purpose? What's my passion? Who am I trying to reach and who am I trying to talk to? And um, I forget the author's name, but there's a book called like, I think it's called Story Brand. Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm -mm. Um, okay, so in this book, the author talks about a good story. There's a hero of the story always, right? And mm -hmm. then there's like the mentor that helps the hero and they go through like some sort of like um, problem that they have to solve together and the hero can't do it without the mentor and there's like a crescendo and then maybe there's a villain or whatever. The point being, there's a hero of the story, right? Mm -hmm. And so, so many of us, when we go to tell a story – do a business, do a service, whatever, we try to make ourselves the hero of the story, right? Because mm -hmm. we're focusing on us and mm -hmm. we think that everyone's looking at us, but really and truly, like we are not the heroes of the story. For example, if you're a hairdresser standing behind the chair, who's the hero in that story? Your client is, right? right. And so really, like it really doesn't matter about, you know, your, your hair. Like if you look presentable, whatever, whatever's your brand, show up as that, but focus on them. They're the hero mm -hmm. of the story. So that's what matters. And then I thought about like, okay, so when it comes to social media, when it comes to podcasting, who's the hero of my story? And it's like the hairdressers that listen to me. And so if I show up a little disheveled or like whatever, like I'm just here, I'm stumbling on my words and, you know, waving my hands around all crazy. If I'm focusing on my hero, which is the hairdressers, then it mm -hmm. shouldn't matter, right? It's not about me. It's about them. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like a good, um, a good way to remind yourself of this is that when I was in college, I took a speech class and public speaking is a huge fear of people. Somehow I've been able to, like once you do it a few times, I feel like it's easier, but it's so terrifying. And in college, I'd never done it. Well, as I was sitting there waiting my turn to give my speeches, I wasn't even listening to the people talking. Like I couldn't even hear them truly. Cause I was so in my head, like, what are they going to think of me? What are they going to think of me? But then I started thinking, well, I can't be the only one sitting here doing this. Everyone's in their head. And so you're exactly right. Like we're not the hero of the story. And I think that if we mess up, the right people will still follow us. If mm -hmm. we put bad content out there, the right people will still come to our page. Like my clients don't get upset if I'm not 100% all the time because they care about me as a person. So I just feel like the first time you let that guard down, it's so intimidating. Mm -hmm. But once you do it, and you realize nothing's going to happen, it's easier from there. Absolutely. It's funny mm -hmm. that you bring up the speech thing. I actually was literally telling my husband last night, because um, I took a, a speech class in college also. I went to beauty school first and mm -hmm. then college, because I was like, beauty school is just my fun job that's going to work me through college, right? Right. And uh, oh God, yeah, I was like terrified in speech class. I was awful the whole semester. Like every time I get up there, I'm like shaking and sweating and stumbling on my words. And then the last project that we had was that we had to get up and give a 30 minute speech and mm -hmm. we had to teach the class something. Okay. And so I'm like, hmm, I was like, hey, teacher, can I teach the class how to do a haircut? 
And she's like, that's yeah, awesome. Sure, whatever you want. Girl, I nailed it. I was up there cracking jokes and like, you know, I was just like edutaining the class. Mm-hmm. And they were like on the edge of their seats, just like soaking up everything I had to offer. And I was talking to my husband about this last night and I was like, why is that? I think it's because I got out of my head for one and I realized I had something to offer. Again, mm-hmm. they're the the hero of the story, not me. And so I like took the focus back to them, right? Like, how can you use this in your life? How can you use this information? And then it was like pure gold. Yeah, and that's awesome that they were that interested, it, even though they weren't hairstylists, you know? Yeah. So that was probably for sure a confidence boost for you because, you know, now when you teach to hairstylists that stuff, they for sure care, you know? They know what, what you're talking about. They can relate. Yeah. So it's cool that someone who had no earthly clue anything about hair <laughs> yeah. was that interested. That's cool. I think it can be a little more intimidating when we're standing in front of a bunch of like licensed professionals and you're yeah. I used I definitely still feel this way, but I'm better now, but it's like you look in the crowd and you're like, "Oh, that person is like way better than I am at this." Or like they don't care about what I'm saying right now, so you get all like weird. It's hard to mm-hmm. not do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I always too like so the first year that I went to behind the chair show, I gotta find this clip. I always say this to people. I always use this example, but I have to go find it. Um, I presented an award to somebody on stage, and I had never stood on a stage before. And I don't know if you have, but it's bright. You can't see anything. It's like very nerve wracking, and you know how many people are out there, and so that's in your head. Girl, when I got up there to announce the award, I opened my mouth and no words came out. Oh. And like, I someone was there with me, thank God. So they just started talking, but like open mouth, no words. And the worst case scenario in my mind was that, you know, like I'd forget what I was going to say. So once it happened, yes, people laughed, but they were like cheering for me, you know, like they could tell I was nervous. But the next year when I went out there, I didn't forget my words and I just... I'd already experienced the worst, the worst possible thing in my mind. Yeah. And so I wasn't intimidated as much anymore. So I think sometimes failure can create more confidence in you. You sometimes I think don't need to look at it as such a negative. Just look at it as how can I grow from this failure and, and be better in the future because we're only ever competing with ourselves, right? Like we can't be the person next door to us. We can't be the hairstylist down the road. Like we only can be our best selves. And I think when you kind of switch your mind to that, that mm-hmm. mentality, it gets easier. I love that. That reminds me of a quote I heard someone say in the last year where it was like, mistakes are just mistakes, right? Yes. Like you get, you get other takes. That was just mm-hmm. a mistake. No big deal. Yeah. And how crazy would it be in life if nobody had mistakes? Like, <laughs> right. Then, then the one mistake we do have when we're 50 or 60 years old, it's going to hurt us a million times more. You know, it kind of makes us stronger in a way. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So do you bring these kind of messages into your social media ever? Like, do you kind of um, get on and like openly and honestly talk about these kind of things? Yeah, I've started doing it more um, here recently, just because at first, again, I didn't know if my audience wanted to see that. Um, But once I realized the value in it, even if it just helps one person, um, I'm always trying to to talk about how I've overcome X, Y, Z and how they can too, or, you know, just telling them that their selves is good enough. They don't have to be other people. Um, And I think too, what's really cool about about the movement of mental health on social is that 
even if your page isn't this like self-help page, you can still incorporate it. You know, you don't have to just be strictly hair techniques or strictly, you know, cooking or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. It can be a mixture of all of it. That's we, actually we what literally I was... can make it whatever we want. Yeah, totally. That's what I was going to say is like your messaging is almost just it's not specific to hairdressers. Like obviously mm-hmm. you're, you're like me where you feel a pull to that part of the industry because you love mm-hmm. it. But like that is like across the board for anyone that's on social media is like I think the word authenticity is overused these days. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's like there's not a better word really to describe it is like just be authentic and be yourself. Yeah. And I think, too, that like. Somebody asked me once at a class, did I see a shift in like my followers or my growth whenever I started posting about that? And I mean, I don't necessarily know if I did or didn't. I just think that maybe like hairstylists stopped following me, but other people that weren't in the hair world started, you know? And so I think it balances out and there's going to be times where you go through a dip in followers or almost like a pause on growth. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that today everybody is trying to, to grow into this large platform. And so it's a little harder to see the growth, right? Mm-hmm. But you just have to cross your fingers and, and be authentic. There's that word. Mm-hmm. Um, and know that the right people will start showing up. Yeah. I think you're right too, that like, I, for me, the podcast was an easier platform to do that in, mm-hmm. um, for some reason, like filming and editing and doing all those things just seems more curated. Whereas like just turning on a microphone and talking is more natural and I'm easily more authentic talking uh, Mm -hmm. than I am trying to record something. And so I wonder if that's why podcasting has gotten so popular too, is people Mm -hmm. just want that like normal, natural kind of human connection. Yeah. And I think I think that this is a perfect way to, you know, I can share like a 20 second clip on Instagram, but that's probably the longest clip I'm going to get someone's attention for um, because they want to just keep swiping. Whereas with podcasts, um, people are having to choose to come because they want that that connection. And I'm just excited for the chapter of of having deeper conversations with people that aren't just 10 seconds or 20 seconds um, and keeping their, you know, their attention flowing because of the vulnerability and stuff that we'll be sharing there. Yeah. And so for your podcast, do you feel like you're going to just try to attract like hair industry people to come chat with you? Or are you kind of like casting the net wide open for anyone that like wants to talk about social media and vulnerability and stuff? I want anybody to come on. Of course, like you were saying, I feel like I have to, um, I'm always going to be a hairstylist, you know, and that is where I started and that is where my followers came from. And so I have to stick to that, um, at least half the time, but the other half of the time, I, I just want to bring on anybody. Like, I think everybody has a story that is unique to themselves. And I think that, um, people like listening to other people's stories, how they've turned something crazy into something positive. And so anybody can come on and I'm hopeful that I will be able to build a a different type of community over on the podcast, Mm -hmm. which that was kind of my struggle with the name of my podcast. Um, So I am going to call it Samantha's Beauty Confessions just because I've branded that for myself. But the beauty in that is like the internal beauty. And the Mm. confessions in that is more like confessing your story to people. And so I feel like that name can be used in two different ways, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, I was wondering about that too. So I like that. That's good. Yeah, I went back and forth with it. But, you know, I just think that 
as long as I I kind of am open with that upfront about the beauty portion of it and what it means that that really is the message I want to get out there is just no matter what you're going through, like it's going to be okay. And you don't have to hide it. You don't have to go through it alone. Yeah. I mean, and let's be honest, you could easily change the name at some point if you needed to, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like, it's not imprinted on your forehead for life. Exactly. Yeah. But see, I think that if I'm talking about it on my Instagram and I had this whole other name, um, cause I'm not going to have an Instagram page for the podcast. It'll just right. all be there. Yes. Um, and I think it would just get confusing. So I like simplicity, you know, I do we, too. Need, we need more of that in the world. Yeah. Seriously. Mm-hmm. Especially when you have eight platforms that you're posting on. <laughs> exactly. Do you have a <laughs> podcast one too? It's all under. It's yeah. all your hair mentor. Yeah. I kind of okay. have the same thing where I was like, I don't want to try to remember all these different things or like confuse mm-hmm. people. Cause I followed some other people that have like, Maybe I took a course that they have, but that has a completely different brand identity than how they are in social media. And then mm-hmm. they have a podcast also, and it's all separate. And I'm like, I cannot keep it straight. This is too much for me as a consumer. So I know it's going to be too much for people that I want to consume my stuff, you know? Yeah. Another thing that your episode with Carly said, I can't remember the exact thing, but like you need to be a hundred percent somewhere. <laughs> you um, have to full ass everything. <laughs> yeah. Full ass everything. Yes. So if I have other platform, I mean, I already have threads and TikTok and all the things. So if I had to add one more account for my podcast, for all those platforms, holy cow, I would just, I mean, you think burnout's real now, try to add a double or triple that, you know? Oh my gosh. I know. I've never done that, but I can't even imagine. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. You got a, you got a full last. That came from, um, that came from Maddie Cook from okay. Bossier Salon. She's so funny. Yeah. And she, she's the one that was like, I was just half ass and everything. And I had to full ass something. I was like, yes, I love that. I'm going to use that everywhere. Hashtag. It's so relatable. It's mm-hmm. so relatable. Like, because seriously, it, anytime you add something new in there, if, you risk not full assing any of it. It just, Mm -hmm. you can't be full in every area. You cannot. Right. Right. I feel like that was something that like, as I get older, I recognize more and more is, and it's like, it's okay. I feel like to half-ass some things, you know, where, Mm -hmm. you know, like I'm okay with it. I'm going into it with this mindset. I cannot give it this full attention that it needs right now. And that's okay. But I feel like Mm -hmm. I needed to just like really lean in hard on something to feel like I'm doing this one the way that I want to do it. Yeah. And what's really helped me is joining groups and just like messaging people like hairstylists out there. I used to be intimidated to ask questions or to seem like I didn't know enough, but a lot of the learning that I've experienced in my business came from asking questions that I thought were going to be stupid because they're not stupid. Um, And somebody out there can help you. Other people have been there. And so I've started to to just really put myself in situations where, you know, I have a support system because at the end of the day, we all need that. And I may not be great at like Canva, but somebody else is, and they could help me. Whereas I could help them do something else. Um, The world is a lot smaller than I think we realize. And people are actually like nice people are actually out there. Yeah. Yeah. And the same breath, though, like, I agree with you. I feel like we're all, like, you know, just a few degrees of separation from each other. Mm -hmm. It always surprises me, and this happens often, how I come across someone on social media that's, like, this world-renowned hairdresser that has all these accolades and, like, has a huge following, and they're doing all these, like, amazing things. And I'm like, how have I never even heard of this person? Mm -hmm. There are, like, so many beautiful success stories out there that I haven't even had a taste of yet. Mm-hmm. 
it's fascinating. I know, and I wonder if that's just because there's so many people on the app or if if that person is just kind of still more reserved in their own in their own world right now. But they'll they'll branch out hopefully eventually. Right, right. Yeah. I don't know. I just I find the whole like connectivity of it all very fascinating. Yeah. And I think too, like when I started on social media, it was a lot easier to grow. So kind of from your question earlier, like I think back then you can't compare it to someone if they were starting today, just because there wasn't, there weren't as many people on there saturating the app to compete with in the algorithm. Mm -hmm. And I think now it is, it's a little more difficult. Would you agree? I would. Yes, I would absolutely agree. Um, But I also think too, like followers or people Mm -hmm. like I know I'm getting like pickier about who I'm going to follow whereas Mm -hmm. I used to just like you know bloop 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 like oh yeah like whatever and then I would like go if I needed to unfollow them later unfollow them but these days I'm kind of a little more like do I actually want to follow this person do I actually like what they're doing because Mm -hmm. there's so much saturation I'm careful about who I let into my life whose things I see as I'm scrolling. Mm -hmm. And so I wonder if that's more uh, what's driving the lack of growth is people just being like, "Mm, I don't know. Yeah, I I agree. And I think too, like the, I don't know, I don't want to say like copying, but I don't know another word for it. Everyone's starting to kind of do the same thing, you know, and like a trend will take off and then 60 million people will jump on the trend. And then you're just kind of like so sick of seeing the trend. You could almost predict what's coming up. Yes. Um, which I get it. People are just like trying to find inspiration all the time or whatever. So no judgment at all. But I just think that that's also why people are, are more careful with who they're following. But I also want to say that followers don't mean success. And I say this at my classes all the time. Like I am no more satisfied today with however many followers I have now than I was at 5,000 promise. Like, like I'm more satisfied in the sense that I'm no longer in an unhealthy marriage and things like that personally, but my business, like I don't, I don't feel like I've ever been in a following amount that made me feel like, oh, this is life changing, you know? And I don't think that there is one. If so, I have not reached it yet. Um, And so listeners, if you know of that magic number, let us know. But I I just don't think there is one. And I think that people, um, edgy B girl, do you follow her? No, I don't even know who that is. Her, her Instagram handles at edgy B girl. And she has, I don't know how many followers she has, but her account lost all of her followers at one point. And she was telling me that she had to start over from zero, but she has been doing, um, she was on the K18 little thing at New York with Carly that was on the billboard and stuff. She was on that. She is a member with Schwarzkopf. Like she does awesome things. And again, I don't know exactly how many followers she has, but that's proof that you can do awesome things and you don't have to have, you know, 200,000 followers plus to do it. Yeah. I've even heard people say that, um, like there's a sweet spot of like, you know, you need enough followers that like, you know, if only a small percentage are seeing what you're, Mm -hmm. what you're saying, um, that's good. But if you get too much, you kind of become this, like, you're not as valuable. You're just like, uh, an entity almost like maybe that's not the right word, but like, it's just, it's less personal. And then if you do have like, let's say you have a million followers or 2 million followers, like you're not responding to DMS. You are not engaging in the same way that feels personal and, you know, connecting where Mm -hmm. if you had like, you know, five to 10,000 followers and then only a small percentage or, you know, commenting and stuff, it's easier to kind of maintain 
and absolutely people. Yeah, definitely. I agree. I just, I think that for a long time, everyone thought 10,000, 10,000, but I just think that you can't put a number on it because when you have that number in mind that you feel you have to get to, it takes the fun out of it. Mm -hmm. And if it's not fun, like the level of burnout will happen so much quicker because you just feel pressure and like nobody can be creative when they feel that pressure. Like if, if anyone's feeling burnt out, I highly recommend like just post the content. Like if you post three days a week or four post content, but don't feel like you have to sit there and engage and, and comment back and all that. Do what you need to do for yourself in the, the point of your business you're in and go outside. Like I'm not an out, outdoorsy person by any means, but my boyfriend now is, and he has been so helpful in my creativity because he encourages me to like step out from the computer screen, step away from the phone screen and let's like go do things that are going to spark creativity. And it really works. Something Mm -hmm. as simple as just like putting your feet in the grass and sitting in the sunlight. Like you would be surprised what comes to your brain when you're not occupying it with scrolling. Oh, that's so true. They say that um, creativity is sparked by boredom. Mm -hmm. Like we can't be creative unless we don't have like input coming in. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to let your mind like for a second. And for hairstylists, like I I don't know how like kids in today's world, how they're going to be 20 years from today. But like I think hairstylists with our creative brains and constantly go, 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 it's hard for us to meditate and journal or just like sit still with our thoughts. It is for me. Oh, me Um, too. Yeah. And so you have to force it. You have to like schedule that into your day and just go outside for 10 minutes. It doesn't have to be this like 10 hour meditation, but just 10 minutes. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that once you see the results, you'll keep it up. Yeah. So what other things do you guys do for fun? We, so we just got back from the lake. We went there this weekend. And again, I'm not someone that goes outside much. So I was like (laughs) exhausted all day yesterday. The sun really wears you out. It does. Um, Yeah. But we just, we try to just kind of go and do like, I'm trying to work on my, um, spontaneousness, spontaneity, whatever you want to say. I'm not very spontaneous whatsoever. I'm very type A. So my boyfriend does a good job of just kind of planning things on the fly Um, we like to go snow skiing in the, in the winter months. And I really liked the lake. I was kind of surprised by it. Are you like on a boat or just like hanging out on the shore? So we had, um, jet skis this weekend. And so we were kind of both, but, um, I would love to go with somebody that had boats instead. So we could all be together. Um, cause there was a group of us that went, but Again, I was just shocked that I was able to be out in the sun that long and not just like bake. I'm really fair skinned. And so I was nervous about that. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you just got to do what works for you though. Yeah. And I think last year I spent so much time. I taught in like 15 states in six months and that like, I literally still think I'm recovering yeah. <laughs> from that exhaustion. And so I'm trying to just like take time away from thinking this year and just kind of prioritize my mental health because last year flew by. It was the Mm. fastest year of my life, hands down. Mm -hmm. It only gets faster. (laughs) I know. And I'm having to like, like come up with, um, I didn't have fun for so long, which is kind of sad, but I was my work for so many years. And that was the only hobby that I had, which I think a lot of hairstylists can relate to. We have a quote unquote fun job. And so it's easy to get wrapped up in it. 
but I'm having to figure out what I, who I am outside of work too. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think you want to have kids? I don't know. So I'm third. I just turned 33 Okay. and I, I would love one kid, but I feel like if I have a kid, I'm going to have like triplets or twins or something <laughs> Do because they run in I'm your family? so, they run in my boyfriend's side of the family. Oh, And I don't know, I don't know if the male or female determines the number, but, um, I do think that would just be like my luck is I'm so adamant on one child that I'll probably have multiple for That's sure. So funny. Well, but I might adopt. Do you have kids? I do. I have two young kids. And yeah, okay. I think like it, adopting, having your own, having one, having three, um, we all kind of go through like a metamorphosis of like trying to figure out who we are after we become a parent. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I did not do any sort of self-exploration or thinking about this ever before having kids. I was super naive. I was a complete idiot, actually. Let me tell you. I was I was like the the mom to be that was like, oh, having a baby is not gonna change my life at all. I'm just gonna like baby wear and you know my calm energy will wear off on the baby. We'll be able to do all the things we want to do. Yeah, no, it did not work out that way. And so I had like a total identity crisis for a while trying to figure mm-hmm. out who I was outside of being a hairdresser, who I was outside of being a mother. It was like, who is Crystal? What fills Mm -hmm. Crystal's cup? And I think I'm still figuring that out. It's like a constant evolution, but I wasn't even aware that I needed to do that before I needed to. And so I love that you're thinking about this now because I feel like no matter how many kids you have, if you have kids, um, it'll probably be easier for you to re-figure out who you are and what serves you. Yeah. And I think honestly, like, I don't wish a divorce on anybody, but me getting a divorce. Um, so my ex-husband had like a drug overdose and it, I didn't know he was on drugs. So it was very eye opening. Um, and after I got a divorce right after was the pandemic. And so I was having to oh sit still gosh. for yeah. the first time. Like I couldn't work through my trauma. I had to just like sit in my thoughts and that was really hard. And so I think that was also a blessing in disguise for me because I had to start asking myself tough questions and like processing those emotions. Um, and so, you know, now when the world opened back up, I started getting busy again and I kind of like let go of that healing part. And now that I've been with my boyfriend for a while, I'm having to think, do I want to get remarried? And I do want to, but I'm terrified. So I've started going back to therapy and really, again, just working on who I am at my core and like learning to, to almost like trust myself again, honestly, to be able to get married. Because if I do have kids one day, I don't want to be um, still having to deal with that hurt from years ago that I had to. I'd rather try to be the healthiest version. And I know things can happen and I could get, you know, pregnant unexpectedly or whatever Mm -hmm. before I'm ready. You're never going to feel ready. But I just want to be as good of a version of myself as I can. And I think just the fact that you're even having that in your awareness means mm-hmm. you probably will be. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everyone tells me like, you're going to be such a good mom. Like you need to have kids. And and I do think I'll be a good mom, but I think if I'm not careful, I'll be a helicopter mom. Mm. And I don't want to do that to my kids. So I need to release some of my anxiety and fears before bringing on new lives that I'm responsible for. And new anxieties and new fears. Exactly. Because <laughs> then I'll feel all those so much oh, harder, yeah. I'm sure. How oh, old are yeah. your kids? They're six and eight years old. My son is six. My daughter's eight. 
Yep. Okay. Yep. So we're past like baby stages now and kind of getting into like new struggles and new fears as a parent and also new fun things too. Yeah. Like the independence is starting to come up and I'm sure that's hard to let go of a little bit too is, you know, they're, they're becoming more of their own little humans. Absolutely. Yeah. And they have their own personalities and their own wants and needs and like Mm -hmm. very different between the two of them too. So learning how to like kind of manage the family dynamics with like what serves this person that doesn't serve this person and also me and my husband. Yeah. People that have kids and work like Carly, she has two kids and and she does all the things she does. Like I, y'all are just awesome. Like I don't I can barely function with just one human. <laughs> it's Wait, a lot for me. Let's be clear. I'm barely functioning myself. Okay. Okay, <laughs> okay good. That's what Carly told me when I did her, um, my class on her deal is that she's like, no, I'm barely making it. I promise. I'm like, well, you make it look easy. Yeah, right. Um, I had someone message me on social media a while ago that is a mom in Australia Mm -hmm. who's trying to do some education piece as well. She's a hairstylist. She has kids. Or no, she's trying to write a book. That's what it was. And I had released Mm -hmm. that I wrote my book. And so she was like, I don't understand. Like, how do you do this? Like, you just seem so like put together. I'm like, oh no, I think I need to be a little more real because I am not. Like, I'm always on the verge of a mental breakdown, especially depending mm-hmm. on what time of month it is. Exactly. Um, right? Like, sometimes I'm like, I have got my shit together. I'm doing great. And other times I'm like, what am I doing? This is insane. I am scramble brain right now. So mm-hmm. yeah, no, like we're all just barely hanging on, right? Mm-hmm. And it's okay. Like as long as as long as we are um, prioritizing our own mental health, our kids' mental health, and taking time for fun, I swear that is the cherry on top of the equation, in my opinion. Yes, that's the thing that you have to full ass, right? You have to like really focus on those things, and then the other things can kind of be like, yeah, okay, we'll we'll deal with that. It's okay. Yeah, but you do have a like a calm. Like I can I can like sense that you're just like a calm energy person. I. I'm not a calm energy person. I don't know like how I come across, but like I am very um, high strung, but I think people think that I'm calm. So maybe I do hide it well Mm -hmm. Um, because my clients are like, wait, you're, you're stressed out right now. And I'm like, oh yeah. Like my heart rate is high. Everything's high. But I think maybe we're just good at pretending. Yeah. I think I'm a naturally like overly optimistic person to -hmm. the point where I'm like, it'll be fine. It'll work itself out. And then I have moments of panic where I'm like, oh crap, this is not working itself out. We need to do something. When's it, you're like looking at your watch, like when's it going to work out? Yeah. Oops. And my husband is probably more like you. He's like super organized and like thinks ahead, plans ahead. And I'm just kind of like, we'll just go, you know, it's fine. So you're my boyfriend and I I guess I'm your husband. And I think that's good is to be with someone the opposite of you. Um, my ex-husband was a lot like me in the, the cleanliness organization, all that. And I thought that was a good thing, you know, like, Oh, our house will always be clean. And it was, but like, that's not life, you know, like, it's okay if you have socks on the floor or whatever. And I, I feel like that's been the beauty too, of kind of this re restart in my life is just seeing that, like, it's okay if you leave a cup in the sink, like the world's not going to end. You got to be a human. (laughs) You have to be a human. Totally. It sounds so cliche. Um, There was a show. What was the show in like the 90s? It was like, is it my so-called life or like messy life? Something like that. Where it's basically saying the same thing. Like life is messy and like not perfect and that's okay was the message. Mm -hmm. And you're like, yeah, 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 I get it. And now I'm like, oh, wait, I actually feel like I'm getting it now. Like it's Mm -hmm. totally okay. It's okay to just be you and be Mm -hmm. human. 
Yeah. And I think too, with your kids, like just seeing, you know, the seeing you work and seeing like how you've overcome, like, you know, feeling overwhelmed or whatever. I think it's good for kids to see that. Now you don't want to show them like the crazy sides of it that, you know, age appropriate is what I always tell people. But yeah, I think it's sometimes good for kids to not think everything is so cookie cutter, like perfect, you know, because then they, then whenever they experience it later, it doesn't feel so overwhelming. Right. Yeah. You don't want to set unrealistic expectations for them. Mm-hmm. I always say now, like, um, people always joke that you're a perfect parent before you have kids. And I feel like that's how I feel now. So maybe when I do have kids one day, if that ever comes, like maybe I'll feel different, but right now I'm like, no, like let your kids see a little bit age appropriate things here and there to make them feel more normal. Oh, it's always easier to like judge someone else before you have kids too. Like, oh, I would not do it that way. And then later Mm -hmm. you're like, oh crap, I'm totally doing it that way that I was judging someone for. Oops. (laughs) I know. I think that to me getting a divorce made me, you know, I don't like to like admit this, but like before my divorce, I was a little more judgmental of people who were divorced because that wasn't something I believed in. And I, you know, I always said my parents were divorced. I'll never do that. I'll never Mm. do this, this, and this. Now I don't say that. Like you rarely will hear me saying anything that I'll never do because that is when life will slap you right in the face every Mm -hmm. single time. Yep. Yep. So true. Yeah. Yeah. Life is crazy. Like it has a way of, um, of, of reeling us back in when we think we're, we've got it figured out. Yeah. So, um, does your boyfriend support you with like your online stuff at all? Is he ever like holding cameras for you or like helping you do stuff? He doesn't help me in the salon, but, um, he comes with me to all my classes and he's really, he's not a photographer, but he's really into photography. And so he'll set up like a tripod at my classes and he films everything for me because I'm a, I'm a psycho and I like to watch it back so I can, <laughs> I can improve myself. Uh-huh. Um, and you know, that's probably something that I need to a little bit let go of control, but yeah, he goes with me to all the things. And it's funny now because, um, people, people know him. So if I'm somewhere, they're like, where's John, you know, when's John coming? So he's really kind of branded himself as like this big supporter to me, which is really awesome. Um, he does though, put me in my place when it's time to unwind and put my phone up. And that's something my ex-husband never did. He never ever asked me to not pay attention to my phone. Um, and for that reason, I didn't, you know, mm-hmm. and it, it really hurt our communication and stuff. And so now my boyfriend, I like that he does that, even though maybe like the first three seconds, I'm like, wait, don't boss me around, you know? Yeah. I really like that he wants to spend time with me and I appreciate him going with me to all the stuff. Yeah. He's like part of your journey. Mm-hmm. And he's so like cheerleader, you know, um, I feel like if I look back at him in the back and you know, I'm feeling nervous. He knows to give me a thumbs up or like a smile or whatever to make me feel better. He's like a emotional support human at my shows with me. (laughs) It's awesome. I feel like you could probably almost do an episode on your podcast with him or something. Yes, I want to for sure. Just kind of getting his idea on um, an outsider of the hair industry who's kind of seen the behind the scenes of it Um, because he, he works in the corporate world. And so when he started dating me, he was like, wow, this is like a whole other, you know, universe to me, but he likes it. He thinks it's so interesting. And so now he can work virtually and he's able to kind of experience both worlds. I've teased with my husband that I want to do an episode with him. And he's like, oh, I don't know about that. He's totally my support animal also. (laughs) What, What does he do? He's a fireman. 
Okay. Yeah. So he, um, so he works like so many days and then he's off so many days. Okay. Yes. Yes. Awesome. Yep. So that gets a little tricky scheduling. Like in the summer, this has been crazy trying to do, you know, podcasting and all this stuff when the kids are home too, Mm because usually I'll try to schedule it when he's home and can take them or like when they're in school. Mm -hmm. So this summer has been a little bit of a circus, but you know, we do what we can again. Yeah, for sure. Just yeah, you, got, you can only do what you can. Yeah, exactly. But honestly, like, um, so standing behind the chair, mm-hmm. you have to be standing behind the chair, right? Mm-hmm. I've taken my podcasting stuff with me and like been out of town visiting someone and like just gone and hid in a room for a little bit and recorded a podcast episode. Mm-hmm. And so like the the freedom of um, being able to move in space is like fantastic. And it mm-hmm. does make it seem a little more doable than if I was just trying to work behind the chair all the time. Not to take anything away from working behind the chair. I think it's a beautiful business, but it's just not what I'm trying to do right now. And I see the the beauty of being able to be a little mobile. Yeah, because you, you're right. Like you can't even um, text really. I mean, like, like you're in it. Yes. Um, and that was something funny when we started dating me, my boyfriend, he was like, you know, it took you like 10 hours to get back to me. And I'm like, yeah, babe, come to work with me one day and just watch. And then when he did, he's like, oh, it's not, you know, I'm not on a computer responding to emails. And then, then I can text you back. Like I, someone has chemicals on their hair. It's kind of, it's kind of a big deal. Yeah. So yeah, I totally agree. I like the flexibility of it. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you see yourself uh, stepping away from working behind the chair at some point? You know, I don't know. I feel like I love my clients. I've raised my prices. I've cut back on my clientele um, as much as I feel like as I can. I guess I could always raise them more. But um, And people stuck with me. And I really don't have any clients that I dread anymore. And I love the one-on-one conversations. So I'm hoping... The only way that I think it could make sense is my clientele is my, my income. If, if Instagram disappeared tomorrow, that is my income. And so I'm hoping through my podcast, I'm able to implement some of that income through, you know, sponsors and things like that to where I feel comfortable cutting it in half a little more and maybe just taking clients for content purposes. Um, because I, I need that stability that the clientele provides, you know? Mm-hmm. So if I wasn't worried about money, yes, I would stop doing hair. It doesn't make sense for me anymore to do hair. Um, that's, that's really not where most of my money comes from anymore, but it's where the stability of the money is. And so again, if the social media platforms disappeared, I'd always have that. And I just don't want to get rid of it. You know, it's intimidating and I don't want my clients to feel, you know, people always say you can get them back, but what if they didn't want to come back because they were just left one day, mm-hmm. you know, in a perfect world, I wish I had someone that wanted to take my clients. They could just like babysit them for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then if I wanted to come back part-time or whatever, but you know, that's not going to happen. So I work in a building that it's just me doing hair. So I don't have that opportunity or that option. And I think I'll stick with it as long as humanly possible, but it's almost not humanly possible. Anymore. Yeah. What was it for you that made you stop? Um, I was like a frog in boiling water. You know, it was like doing this thing and I'm doing this thing and then I'm doing the mom thing and the kid thing. And like everything was just kind of like crescendoed into this, like something has to give. And for me, I've been behind the chair for 22 years. I've been licensed for 22 years. 
And I've seen ebbs and flows. I've moved to new states and built businesses. And I was getting to the point with where I'm at now in Reno, Nevada, where I was busier than I needed to be or wanted to be doing hair. You know, I was like turning people away, right? Yeah, same Mm -hmm. thing, like raising my prices, turning people away. And I was like, by the way, raising your prices never makes people leave you. It just doesn't. Like you're always Mm -mm. thinking like, well, I'm going to raise my prices and then some people will just have to choose to leave. It's not ever that simple. (laughs) You're Mm -mm. like, crap, wait a minute, they all stayed. Or like, okay, I still have to tell people no. Anyway, Uh I'd gotten to that point and it was like, okay, I, I really, really feel like where I'm going with the online business and the podcast, like I have this, like, I can feel it in my bones that I'm going to make some beautiful changes in this industry and I can't do it standing behind the chair. Right. That's really what it came down to is like where I want to go and where I see myself going, that standing behind the chair does not fulfill that. And so I had to let it go. It was like, if I'm going to get rid of anything, it has to be that. And oh my God, I'm still having an identity crisis over it. I swear to you. Um, I like asking other people this question too, because it always comes down to the same answer. Like you said, financially, yes, it's supporting you. But what I heard was you don't want to let your clients down. You love your people. We get this like altruistic fulfillment Mm -hmm. of helping them and like, you know, making them feel good and supporting them and like internal and external. And so getting rid of that piece of the puzzle is really hard. Yeah. Like we Um, love them, you know, It's it's a relationship that's consistent and nobody likes change. It's scary. So I think it's awesome that, that you're brave enough because that's really what it is. Like, I'm not brave enough yet, I guess, at the end of the day to to do what's best for me. Um, and I think that eventually you do feel like you said, like you're just going to boil over. And I am so close to that point, but um, I see what you see. I see a future that doesn't involve behind the chair anymore. And as much as that like pains me, I mean, when you asked me that, like I, it was just like chest tightened over here because I'm like, oh no, how do I answer that? Yeah. But the truth is like, like I see myself helping people on such a deeper level than behind the chair. And that all comes from me speaking and sharing my, my story and and connecting with other people, um, through podcasting and through, um, you know, motivational speaking. And I'd love to write a book and I have so much to share and so many life experiences that could help. And at the end of the day, that's all I want to do is help people. That's exactly the conclusion that I came to. And like me standing behind the chair, I'm helping people. It's a it's a very exactly. it's a direct reflection of you helping people, right? It's a mm-hmm. transactional thing. Like you do the hair, you do, get paid, they say thank you. It's like one and done and so you get that fulfillment in that regard. And I know for mm-hmm. me at some point I realized like I want to help hairstylists. I that feeling, that altruistic like, "Oh, I did good. I want that to be towards hairstylists." Which mm-hmm. means they're going to go make more clients feel happy. So really, you're like elevating the amount of happiness in mm-hmm. the world and the industry by helping hairstylists. And so that's kind of what I wrapped my head around finally that made me be like, okay, we can do this. So did you just send your clients a text that was like, I'm not doing hair anymore or email? Yeah, it was like, oh. yeah, it was like, I'm really sorry. But um, I, so I went to like two educational events that kind of made me have this like aha moment of like really where I see myself. I had this vision of me standing on a stage telling my story that I want to tell. And I was like, oh my gosh, I have to make this happen. And so my clients all know that I've been on this explorative journey of like, what am I going to do? Like, who am I teaching? And what am I talking about? And Mm -hmm. it finally came full circle. So I was like, hey, you knew this was coming. (laughs) I know. I think mine would know too. Yeah. It was like, they're all just kind of like, yay. 
hey, I still get to come see you when they would come in. And um, so it was like, I'm sorry. And I had some people that I referred them to, but like, I, I wish I could have cloned myself or like trained someone to be like, here, do do exactly this and you take care of my people. I would have felt so good about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I've since had a few come back to me and text me and be like, oh my gosh, like I'm not happy here. Do you have any more recommendations? And like, oh, the heartstrings. <laughs> I know. I know. Because me, I'd be like, yeah, come up to the salon today. I know. Like, please. Let me just let me just do it for you. Right. I know. And it is I think you have to go through that cycle because I used to be that person that came on Sundays at eight o'clock at night or whatever, just literally so accommodating. And then it just became impossible. And so now I work this specific day of the week. Um, I do try to change the day up a little bit just to accommodate people's schedules, but I'm sticking to that day, you know, like it's just that one day usually. And I've gotten better. So I think the next step is just being like, you know what? I'm sorry that you're not happy there. I hate that for you. It makes me feel so bad because it does. We do feel bad. Yeah. But it's like, I I can't find it in my soul to come there anymore and just like take that on because I don't know. I, life is so short and yes. we have to live out our purpose. And yep. I know that my purpose is bigger than foiling. Yes, exactly. <laughs> not to discount the art of foiling, but yes, I completely agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, um, it used to bring so much joy to me. And that's how I know it's not my purpose because it used to bring the the amount of joy that now speaking to people brings. And so I know that there are going to be these, these turns and who knows, maybe I'll speak to people for almost a decade and then I'll be like, something else is coming. Um, but you just kind of have to go with the flow of life. Mm-hmm. I don't know where I read this. I read somewhere that there's like an evolution of um, like in a a trade or a career or whatever. And so first you go and you get trained to do the thing. Okay. Mm -hmm. Then you do the thing like Mm -hmm. working behind the chair. And then once you master that, then you teach the thing. And then once you master that, you inspire people to do the thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's like this full circle kind of situation. And I was like, yes, that's where I'm at. So it's like, I'm not trying to discount people working behind the chair. Like that is a beautiful, powerful position to be in. Mm-hmm. It's just like, for me, it's not serving me anymore. I've, I've evolved into a different place where I need to be mm-hmm. now. And it sounds like you have too. Yeah. And that's totally, I love that circle thing. I might message you after this and have you send me that part because yeah. I need to find whatever book you read that in and read it. Cause that's exactly true. Mm-hmm. I'm at the inspiration stage now. Me too. Me too. Where I'm like, I want to light a fire under people to like go to beauty school, to embrace their beautiful, honorable position behind the chair and turn it into a career that serves them. Yeah. I want to be the person that I needed when I was in the yes. in the low points of life. Totally. Yes. I know I personally kind of stumbled into doing hair and really mm-hmm. didn't embrace it until I kind of understood the value and the impact that I had in my clients' lives. Prior to that, I just was thought it was like something that like you did for fun or it was like a hobby, you know? Mm-hmm. There's so many people that feel that way that I'm like, oh, honey, you just need to know it's so wonderful. I know. And they just need that like somebody to tell them it's okay to like get out of whatever funk they're in or whatever hard time and and show them the other side because you don't know until you're shown. And I feel like, you know, you're going to do awesome things and hopefully my podcast and just everything works out. I'm just like so hopeful. Yeah. Um, But I'm nervous and I think it's okay. I think it's okay to be nervous when you're excited about something. Yes, it, it is. It Being excited and nervous shows that you care. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Because if, if I was just throwing it out there and like so confident in it, I feel like it would just be meaningless, you know, like 
you never know what's going to happen. This podcast could be the best thing I ever did, or it could be the craziest thing I ever ended up doing. But yeah, I'm hopeful that if I put out the message and it's coming from a genuine place that it will take me to, to, you know, good places, whatever that good place is. Awesome. Well, um, Samantha, this has just been an absolute pleasure. But yes, before I we go, it. I want you to tell my listeners where they can find you and where they can message you or email you um, to respond if they have questions for you and where they can find you. Give me all the things. Okay, so my uh, my website is samanthasbeautyconfessions.com and I have online courses on there as well as any in-person classes that I'm teaching. And then my Instagram is also Samantha's Beauty Confessions. And my podcast is launching on August 21st. The date is set. It's ready to go. And so definitely look for that podcast everywhere and um, make sure you subscribe because I promise it's going to be, there's going to be awesome conversations on there. Um, I respond to DMs probably the quickest. So if somebody needs, you know, an immediate answer, I try to do that as much as possible throughout the day. So I'm, I'm there every day and it's really me. No one's helping. Um, but yeah, that's where you can find me. Awesome. Thank you so much. I'm really looking forward to listening to your podcast as well. Yes. Thank you for having me. I love talking to you. Yeah, me too. Awesome. Okay. Well, I will make sure and put all that stuff in the show notes and, um, we'll just kind of stay tuned. Thank you. Okay. We'll talk soon. You know, one of my biggest reasons for loving and continuing to do this podcast is because I feel like it is a space where I I guess I'm more comfortable to be really just kind of open and honest and vulnerable with you as my listener. It feels very different than when I'm making curated posts and photos and visual artsy kind of things on social media. This is just like me and my microphone. And honestly, most of the time I don't even have pants on. I mean, I have like workout shorts on, but I'm like dressed from the neck up. And so the rest of me is super cash, super cozy. And I think that just kind of adds to the experience of it feeling a little more intimate of a conversation. I don't know if you picked that up, but I'm hoping you did. Um, and then when I have guests on like Samantha here, it just really elevates that experience even more. And to me, allows me to even be more real with you. So, um, anyway, I guess I'm just saying thank you for listening and I hope you enjoyed that podcast episode as promised. I will make sure to put all of the links in the show notes for you. And Samantha's got a great little discount code in there you'll find uh, for my listeners only, which is so kind and generous of her. But as I always like to say, thank you so much for listening. And until next time, I'll see you then. Okay, bye. Hey friend, Crystal here, and I've got something special for you that's too good to miss. Introducing the wildly popular Confident Conversations Bootcamp, where we unlock the three secret stylist skills that attract clients who pay. In just three classes, we'll transform how you communicate, connect, and turn every conversation in the salon into a formula for high-paying clients. It's not magic, it's mastery of words, presence, and the kind of confidence that turns heads. So why sign up? 
because mastering these skills means more than just full books. It's about crafting a career that's as rewarding financially as it is creatively. We're talking quality clients who value your expertise and are happy to pay you for it. And the best part, it's completely free. You heard right. It's my gift to you, friend. So if you're ready to elevate your behind the chair game and attract the clientele you've always dreamed of, this boot camp is your first step. Spaces are limited, and trust me, friend, you don't want to miss out on this transformation. So head on over to www.yourhairmentor.com to secure your spot today. Let's make sure that your talent is undeniable and your chair the hottest ticket in town. Cheers to clients who pay and a career that slays. I cannot wait to see you at the Confident Conversations Bootcamp, my friend.